I don't know whether I've had any other kind, honey. It's <laughs> a silly remark. All right. Here we go. We're back on the air. Let's say hello to Jersey Gang. Now, wait a minute. Sheared, undiluted, vitriolic hate. That's terrible. Friends, you're talking to Trenton. Do you realize that you're talking to the Garden State? Why, how many people are driving through Secaucus right now? <laughs> 18 million miles of junkyards on each side, and it says bravely the Garden State. <laughs> you know, speaking of the Garden State, <laughs> that reminds me of the, of the big hassle that Indiana once had over what it was going to put on its license plates. Have any of you ever been invited to suggest slogans for your state? Can you imagine what you would like to suggest for, say, New York? Can you imagine some great slogans about this rotten state? Oh, you know, <laughs> the make it state. The hotspot state. <laughs> You'd have it on the back of the plate, it lights up, you know. Well, all right, we're back here at the friendly, lovely, reliable passion pit called the limelight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's going to like that fresh air. <laughs> oh, yeah, be careful. I don't hit many foul balls. I'm liable to start now. <laughs> well, nevertheless, we got to get back to work here, gang. All right. Are you aware, any of you, that next week has been designated? I got a big press release on it Wednesday, and they're preparing all over the country for it. Next week is officially designated as American Trivia Week. <laughs> I bet they're going to have a lot of elections all over the country on that week. It is Trivia Week. <laughs> you didn't get that one, did you, gang? Didn't lay a glove on it, I'll tell you. This is a week, I think, at long last, our country is beginning to recognize the things of which life is really made. Most of our lives consist of one little piece of trivia after the other. You can't imagine Richard Burton standing in Corvettes. <laughs> Waiting in line, a lot of people there, and you want to buy yourself three jockey shorts. You know. This is not where Hamlet lives his life. But guess who does? Yes, and you never can imagine, you know, you just can't see Alec Guinness driving into his friendly, reliable service station. He's got a soft left rear tire, and he drives in, he says, would you check the rear tire? And the guy says, do it yourself, Mac. And Sir Alec gets out with a thing, you know. No, our lives consist of true trivia. All day long, we're walking around, and no wonder people think that they're wasting their life. You spend your time arguing with guys at cleaners. <laughs> you spend your time making feckless phone calls. Oh, boy. How many ridiculous, useless phone calls are made in New York City alone on one day? Yes. <laughs> hey, let's give him a hand. Come on. 
Let's give him a hand. Gee, he's a funny man. He's very funny. He's big up there on the Grand Concourse. He's very good. So nevertheless, I suspect... We're going to see some great trivia here in a minute, I'll tell you. I suspect... It's not often when you see living trivia, though. <laughs> You're losing, man. You're losing. <laughs> but now you at least... <laughs> he caught that one right back at the ear. But nevertheless, seriously, though, friends, the idea of trivia being nominated as a national holiday, I think, is a step in the right direction. Literally. And I'm going to test you to see what kind of Americans you are tonight. We're, going to, we're just going to see what... Do you know that during the war... <laughs> seriously. 4F. <laughs> Notice the nervous laugh? <laughs> He's really asking for it, I'll tell you. Coleslaw. How do you want it, with mayonnaise or a little butter and pepper on it, friends? Well, seriously, friends, <laughs> the trivia issue is an important one. That during the war, the Japanese out in the Pacific, almost all passwords consisted of what we call today American trivia. Seriously. And so, if there was a company of Marines on Guadalcanal, they would make their password Jack Armstrong. And the counter sign was Wheaties. That's a fact. I'm telling you the truth. And so a guy would crawl up, you know, he's going from one foxhole to the next. He'd say, stop, halt, 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 and be identified. Give the password. That'd be a pause. The guy would say, Jack Armstrong. And then the other one would say, Hudson High. And then the third one would holler, Wheaties. Well, the Japs were in trouble. <laughs> See, Jack Armstrong was not broadcast over Radio Tokyo. <laughs> and so they used these constantly, and, and they would test whether the Marine was actually a Marine or was a turncoat, possibly, or maybe just a spy. They'd ask him, who sponsored Tom X? <laughs> they would, literally. They'd say, who sponsored Tom X? He'd say, uh... Uh, 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 Oldsmobile in the clink and they're hitting them with things alright tell us who your unit commander is you know they're talking Japanese to him right away and it worked it literally worked now I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a few tests to see what kind of an American you are alright who in this crowd can tell me who used as a theme song Right, Jack Armstrong. Very made it, very good. Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. The theme went like this. Raise the flag for Hudson High boys, known throughout the land, every challenge meeting champions. Da, 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 da. Bula, 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 bula. And then they would break, and they would say, Have you tried? Wheaties. <laughs> We're brought to you by Wheaties tonight, folks. 
All right, I will ask you then, who did sponsor Tom Mix on the radio? Okay, what was the name of Tom Mix's ranch? Smart guy. Boy, you cut him down quick in his leg, I'll tell you. All right, who, all right I'll tell you, let's do this orderly. Whoever can raise your hand, what was Tom Mix's ranch? No, it was not the Bar X Ranch. You're wrong. Boy, you would be, I'll tell you. That's what, let's hear it again. It was the T Bar X Ranch. Now, who were the two kids who lived with Tom X on the T Bar? No, you're, you're out, Marty. I can see your mind is as full of junk as mine. I, could, I don't remember Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I can't remember the Battle of 1812. I don't remember who was at Agincourt, but I can tell you who Jack Armstrong's Hudson High played. All right, who were the two kids? Oh, oh, boy. Yeah. I wish you would. I wish you would, Fatso. Let's go. Now, come on. Uh, how many of you forget Jimmy and Jane? Jimmy and Jane, and they ate Ralston, too. That's right. Jimmy and Jane eat it, too, and so does Tomix. All right, now, I'm going to ask you another question. What lady on the radio... Now, come on, think for a minute, seriously. What lady on the radio was the most world's most famous lady operator of a lumber yard? Ma Perkins. All right, what town did she operate this lumber yard in? Rockville Center? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Ma Perkins, and I'll ask you another thing. Who played the role of Ma Perkins? Very famous American lady actress. Who? Yeah. He's getting weaker. His voice is dropping now. No, seriously, who played that part? Virginia Payne. You don't remember the name? All right, now I'll ask you another one. <laughs> what soap opera had as, as its theme? Lorenzo Jones. All right, what did Lorenzo Jones do for a living? He was an inventor <laughs> of all things. Now, I'll ask you another one in the soap opera category. What was the name of a famous radio soap opera heroine? What was her last name? Her first name was Wendy. No, a soap opera heroine, not an actress, a soap opera heroine. And she used to come on every afternoon. Wendy Warren. That's right. Boy, what was he doing home? <laughs> What did Wendy Warren do for a living? <laughs> no, seriously, it was the, the the name of the show was Wendy Warren, and it said what she did. What was it? Wendy Warren and the News. She was a lady of Lyle Van, <laughs> and she had some of the well. <laughs> Wendy Warren. And, all right, now I'll ask. Uh, I'll go even further than that. Who was the old lady? who used to come on, they used as the backbone of a soap opera, 
and she would tell a story every afternoon. Aunt Jenny. Aunt Jenny. That's what oh, <laughs> He was out of work a long time. <laughs> Aunt Jenny. All right. Who was the announcer on that show? That's right, my God. From up near the bar. I always wondered what happened to him. <laughs> Dan Seymour. Well, you know these things. What, what, what singer became famous singing Mommy's little baby loves Shulton and Shulton and Mammy. Little baby loves Shulton and Bread. He had wavy hair. He'd stand up there and he'd wear these tights and he'd sing... Tramp, 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 the boys are marching. And my mother... Oh, he's getting better. Hey, Marty, deal with him, will you? That was you. Deal with him. You deal with him. Throw him out. No, sir. These, these things... And uh, what, who, who made this song famous? He's usually associated with another song, but this is a song he personally made, made a big thing. Sweet Leilani, heavenly flower, boo, 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 boo. Bing Crosby. All right, smart guy, you haven't... Who made Prisoner of Love famous? No. Perry Como came second. Russ Colombo. Okay. How did Russ Colombo die? No, no airplane crash. <laughs> Russ Colombo died in one of the most peculiar accidents that any American public figure ever had. Russ Colombo, no, this is a wild story. Russ Colombo was at the very peak of his career. No, he really was. He was a fantastic international star. And he collected ancient guns, pirate guns. He collected medieval weapons. I mean, really old weapons. And one night, he is showing a man in his apartment. There were several people there. He is showing him this ancient pirate gun, 400 years old. And he dropped it. And the gun exploded and killed him instantly. 400 years this thing had. How's that for a memory for trivia? <laughs> Boy. All right, now, I'll ask you another one. If you want to hear some more of these, who, I don't know how to phrase this, who had a program on the air, a big popular show that was based on the concept of a college? And what did he call it? All right, now we've started. Kay Kaiser's College of Musical Knowledge. And how did he used to open it up? What did he say? Hi, y'all. Okay, who was his star girl singer? She had more teeth. She had more teeth than Anne Blythe. In fact, some say she had over seventy-five teeth. Ginny Sims. Okay, now we're going to cut them right down. Who did she sing her romantic duets with? Harry Babbitt. Who sang the funny songs in that band? No, no, you're wrong. Ishka Bibble did not. There, we're beginning to separate the men from the boys. <laughs> now they're dropping off like they're they, real smart. They, K. Kaiser! Then I say, who? All right, who was it who sang the funny songs on that show? 
Have any of you ever heard of Sully Mason? Terrible singer. <laughs> okay, now. Who sang the song about the preacher and the bear? Phil Harris. Phil Harris. <laughs> and what show did he sing it on that made him famous? Jack Benny. Who did he marry? Okay. Now, who was his ace guitar player? Who? You're wrong. It's not Harry. Say it again. Frank Remley was the famous guitar player. Now, what was Jack Benny's sponsor in that day? Okay, and how? what did they sing? How did they sing it? J-E-L-L-O, Jell-O. <laughs> all right, and who, all right, now, wait a minute. Who was the ace singer who sang, yeah, Jell-O again, he'd say everyone, Jell-O again, everyone. <laughs> who was the, the guy that sang in this unbelievably high, squeaky voice on that dentist, but who was before him? Kenny Baker. That's right. <laughs> All right, now what movie did Kenny Baker do? <laughs> you really want to get into it. What movie did Kenny Baker do that recently showed up on late, late television? The For, that's right, the Mikado. <laughs> Boy, there's a sick mind. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, he's watching Kenny Baker and the Mikado. You ought to see the Mikado with Preparation H commercials in that one. <laughs> all right, you want, you want to hear some more of these things? <laughs> all right, all right, I'll ask you one. What, what, was the, what was the original insignia, the original radiator ornament of the Pontiac? Okay, now we're, we're getting started. What was the original radiator ornament of the Essex? <laughs> now, come on, serious. A hotel. <laughs> oh, man. No, I could ask you. Well, all right, now, if you think this is, this is all hypothetical... What was the original insignia of the Oldsmobile? The moon. The moon, you say? Now, I'll be careful now. No, no, that's the current one. That's when they came out with all the Jetstar and all that stuff. I'm talking about the original one of the Oldsmobile. And by the way, who was the Oldsmobile named after? All right, who was the Chevrolet named after? Louis Chevrolet. And by, and, and by the way, what was Louis, what was he famous for? He was a great race driver of his day. All right, now, you guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> All right, now, I'll, I'll, you want to hear some more radio ones? All right, radio, okay. Who, who, wait a minute, I'll hold it there. Hold it, gang. Who was the comic that changed his name in the middle of his career and did it in public by having the public write in and suggest names. And not only did he take that name that they suggested, to this day he's known as that. Most people have ever have forgotten that he ever had a name. Now, come on, seriously. No, it's not Gene Shepard. That's my name. Seriously, come on. Nope. Nope. No, this is a famous radio comic. 
I'm talking about a guy with a nationwide radio reputation and television, by the way. No, now wait a minute. Don't just holler names. Seriously, this is a guy who came on one day and said, I've got a ridiculous name. He was already famous. And he said, my name, I'd like to know your name. I'll make a... He said, he said, I've got a ridiculous name and I want to change it. All right, I'll tell you. Why do I remember this? I remember it as a kid. Nope. No, Bob Hope. You're just gre- you're reaching, honey. She just wanted to hear her name on the radio. <laughs> no, you'll never guess who it is. All right, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's let the outside world call in. Do any of you out there listening know what comic who was on a nationwide show at the time changed his name? No, not Fred Allen. Don't keep saying these ridiculous names. No. This is a guy who changed his name, and today he is a famous television performer. No, not Red Skelton at all. All right. Gary Moore, that's right. Who called it in? Some, huh? Who's Frank McCarthy? <laughs> Gary Moore changed his name from Jerry Morfitz. And, and when I was a little kid, I used to hear Jerry Morfitz come on the air out of New York on the NBC network, and they had the big contest. And somebody suggested Gary Moore, and it's been his name ever since. All right, now I'll give you another one. You want to hear more radio ones? Okay. Who lived in the little house halfway up in the next block? And what was the town? Oh, Aunt Hathaway. Who's that? <laughs> Aunt Hathaway? <laughs> All right, Vic and Sade. What was the name of Vic and Sade's favorite uncle? Uncle Fletcher. <laughs> Don't you remember Uncle Fletcher? Well, that's true. I can tell that. <laughs> uncle Fletcher. Now, I'll ask you one other question about Vic and Sade, because obviously none of you know Vic and Sade, one of the great satirical pieces of dramaturgy ever done in America. What was, the, what was their son's name? Rush. Don't any of you know that? Rush. And, and his friend had the greatest friend I've ever heard. His name of the friend was the greatest name I've ever heard in American fiction. <laughs> That's no better than his. Boy, you can see why they don't have their own shows. <laughs> they try so hard, they sweat. All right. What was the name of Russia's friend? A great name. The name of his friend was Bluetooth Johnson. <laughs> How about that for a piece of, of inspired Americana? Bluetooth Johnson. And I'll ask you one other. What? radio show was sponsored by Prince Albert Tobacco. The best way to do it is don't laugh. Don't ever laugh at him. He's, don't laugh. He'll just yell, that's all. He'll, he'll, he'll quietly expire. He'll be at Pam Pam's next door after a while. He'll be all right. They'll love him there. Now, now I, I'm, I'm serious. Grand Ole Opry, yeah, that's right, was sponsored by... No, no, that was later. No, you're, you're going later again. Now, one other question, and then we'll leave this, because obviously most of you spent your life 
as children, totally, totally just walking around with plugs in your ears. As a matter of fact, my mother, my mother had a line that says, take the potatoes out of your ears. And I did, and apparently I heard all this great stuff. <laughs> now, who sponsored Little Orphan Annie? Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ovaltine did. And Ovaltine and Little Orphan Annie, Jack Armstrong, and all these people, I think, played a great role in the creation of a lot of klutzes that are walking around today. <laughs> I'm serious, you know, I, because I, at, the age of, at the age of seven, I am sitting at the breakfast table every morning, and I'm sitting there down to my ham and Indiana breakfast. My mother is hunched over the sink, wearing her chenille bathrobe. She had this orange chenille bathrobe, you know, they call it Chinese red. It was faded orange, rump sprung, you know, she's hanging up. <laughs> little egg on the lapel, you know, and you, the sink is belching at her and she's working over there. And I'm sitting there eating. My kid brother is under the table. And the radio is singing, singing the theme song to the TM Bar Ranch. And they used to say, Jane and Jimmy too, say it's best for you, Ralston cereal can't be beat. And then the old wrangler would come on and say, Hi, fellas and gals. Ah, the old wrangler here, right, George. We've been down on the old corral busting them bronze this morning. Jimmy and Jane say, It's time for all you kids to get behind your ma's and have them buy you a big family box of Ralston. And then you tear that box stuff right off and you send it in and you'll have a big old fat TM bar. Lucky horseshoe ring for your very own. It'll fit any finger and it'll bring you good luck. And it's made from an actual horseshoe nail that Tom himself used on that great old horse of his, Tony. So uh, let's go, guys and gals. Woohoo! Another adventure. And I'm sitting there, listening to this. I am living in an oatmeal family. Jimmy and Jane are living out there someplace in that fantastic wonderland where all they do is bust Bronx. I never once heard Jimmy or Jane mention Miss Shields. Never once did I hear them mention Miss Robinette. They never even went to school. I'm sitting there shoveling in that oatmeal. We used to have something called Mother's Rolled Oats. I don't know what mother rolled it in. But I can only tell you that, that I grew up... <laughs> Speaking of pablum, what station is this, friends? AM and FM, New York. <laughs> well, I'd sit there every morning, see? And, and I'd hear this on the air. And every day, old Wrangler would come on. Somehow, the old Wrangler is clearer to me than Jimmy and Jane. And I don't even remember how Tom X sounded. It was the Wrangler. And the wrangler would build up that ring. And every morning he would say, Have you got that lucky horseshoe ring, guys and gals? Now I want you to take your ring out. I want you to hold it up there and you look real close at it, kid. Now go ahead. You can tell the direction of the sun with it. 
The way that shadow falls over your little knuckle finger there. Just think what happens when you're lost out there in the woods, out in the trails. You can find the direction. And not only that, kids, you hold that ring up to the light, look at it in there, see? Tom says that you've got to have it if you really love him. Okay, boys and girls, I'm sitting there. All I, all I had in front of me was a bowl of oatmeal. It built up. And my mother is over the sink. See, I was a pre-runner, a precursor, if you will, to the kid you see by the millions in the supermarkets today, riding in the front of the wagon there, you know, the little push cart, Howard, my, what the, you, my, you, Yogi Bear, you, uh. you know, my, you, Yogi Bear, you, Bear, you know, she's buying all this junk, you know, the little chocolate-covered whoopies and the wowies and the zowies and all that jazz, you know. Well, I'm the first kid that I know of who got sucked in, at least in our house I was. Well, somehow I began to create in my mind this image of how Ralston must taste. Yeah, you know, because comics would once in a while come out and say, yeah, kids, fellas and gals, I'll tell you, I just can't get off to a good day on the range without a big bowl of steam and the hot nut brown Ralston. Nut brown Ralston. And there in front of me is that bowl of oatmeal. Well, you know what color oatmeal is. I mean, oatmeal looks sometimes under certain lights like the stuff that happens when people have had too many hamburgers, you know. It's kind of gray and it lays there, you know. It's, it's just not one of those singing colors, you know. <laughs> well, I finally began to nudge. You know what is it, nudging? Well, nudging is, you know, my, I want some Ralston. My mother says, Ralston? What do you mean, Ralston? You want Ralston? Yeah. She says, oats are good for you. They stick to your ribs. <laughs> you know, I can imagine eight million guys to this day with little pots of oatmeal <laughs> sticking to their ribs, you know. <laughs> you know. Sticks to your ribs, you know. Well, Jane and Jimmy, Ralston didn't stick to their ribs. It sang. It got them off on the great morning out there on the prairie. Well, finally it happened. It had to happen. But I really secretly didn't necessarily want Ralston. What I wanted was that lucky horseshoe ring. How many of you remember sending for something when you were a kid? You doggone right you remember. That's why you're here tonight in the limelight. You should be up in Sardis if you really made it. You know, don't think for a minute, you just can't see Richard Burton sending for a lucky horseshoe ring. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor did not send for an Orphan Annie Secret Circle decoder pen, I can tell you. She got a different code than I got, I'll tell you. Wow, you know. I don't know what it told her, that code book, but man, you know. So I wanted that ring. And every day I'd go down to Mattingly's department store and we go down, we got this little, this little tiny store where they sold chewing tobacco. And, and old Mattingly would stand back there and he's cutting the lunch meat, you know, on the thing. Once in a while there'd be a little tip of his finger go into it. <laughs> By the way, he'd charge you for it, too. 
Oh, yeah, we had Mattingly all the time in our salami, you know. And, and how many of you remember going down to the store, one of the terrible embarrassments that kids have to face that their mothers use them for? They themselves can't do it. And that's to go down to the deli, and your mother says, tell them to slice it thin. You get more sandwiches out of it that way, see? And you have to stand there and say, slice it, slice it thin, Mr. Oshenschlager. And everybody looks around. Who's the poor people here, you know? And Oshie, we had this guy named Oshenschlager who had this deli in our neighborhood. He used to cut the meat, see, and I'd say, slice it thin, Mr. Oshenschlager. Summer sausage, please, 15 cents. And he would slice one slice off. Talk about a sadist. He would slice one slice off and hold it up. You could read through it, you know. He'd hold up the Chicago Trib, see. He says, is that thin enough? You can read Little Orphan Annie through it. And all the ladies would look. And then he would slice this stuff up and he'd smile and grin. Like the time when I'm about ten. Do you remember when they used to have on the bottom of the funny papers, they'd have those little funnies? You remember those? There's a little funny, they still do, you know. There's, there was a little funny that began to be very popular. And it shows this chick. And she's got pimples. She's got pimples, see. And you see, she's standing, it's a beautiful girl, see. And she's standing there. And above her, you see these little bubbles. She's looking sad. And behind, you see these two other chicks. They're saying, too bad nobody tells her about Fleischmann's yeast. <laughs> too bad nobody's telling her, see. And the next picture, you see she's now in her bathroom and looking in the mirror, and she says, oh, what will I do about my terrible skin condition? And somehow there's a little parrot. He's up on the shower curtain, and the parrot says, go see Mr. Brown, your friendly neighborhood grocer. Ask him about Fleischmann's yeast. And she says, I wonder, could it be? Can you imagine yourself one morning a parrot is yelling at you about your pimples. Have you ever noticed that parrot in the in the uh, in the Gillette commercials that runs around? Can you imagine meeting him on the street one day? I've often felt I'd like to meet Donald Duck. Say, oh, Don Ivory, oh, I'm an old fan of yours, Don. Yeah. Well, I am reading this commercial, and by the third picture, she is down there at the grocery store. How does Mr. Brown, the friendly neighborhood grocer, look? He's got a white coat, big smile, a little bit bald, you know. And he's saying, why, Dorothy, of course. I'm glad you asked me about that. We carry a complete line of Fleischmann's yeast, which is good for your skin condition. Now, many of the people who come into my store call me Doc, just for fun, you know. But you'll find... Eat this Fleischmann's yeast twice a day, and after the famous seven-day Fleischmann's yeast pimple test, you'll find that your skin condition will clear up. And she's standing there. At the next scene, we see her, gee, this tastes good. Why, I never knew yeast could taste this good. Wow. At the last scene, we see her at the prom. There are 400 guys fighting, you know, getting, trying to get at her. So, and she's saying, gee, I'm sure glad I found out about Fleischmann's yeast. And above her is this little parrot saying, 
she really did it. Well, I wonder whether she did, you know? And the last scene is just... <laughs> well... And underneath that, and they had a little coupon. It says, kids, fellas and gals, if you have trouble with your skin, send in this coupon for the famous seven-day skin test. Place machines, blah, blah. Ask your friendly neighborhood grocer about it. Well... I am roughly 10 or 12, and I am looking at a, let's say at middle distance, a little bit like the Andes mountain range. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I, I must concede there was a terrible moment there, you know. In fact, when I used to wash my face, it was a <laughs> You know, and, and once in a while I'd stand there in the mirror, and nothing feels better than to see one of them come to a head. And then you pop it. Pow! All over the mirrors. <laughs> now you're going to tell me that's in bad taste. <laughs> well, friends, so is life. It's only life. Let's face it. We're all in the same boat together. We're all rolling the same leaky, you know, leaky canoe. And it's well, I'm, 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 I, I see my way out. Fleischmann's yeast. And so one afternoon, and you know you're embarrassed about things like that. You can't tell your mother that you're going down and buy yeast for your pimples. You just don't do that, you know? You don't go over to Bruner or Flick and say, I'm going out of the store to get, you know. These are things you do surreptitiously. I wonder how many chicks do all kinds of little things. Did you see, by the way, speaking of that, there was an ad in one of the newspapers recently, back in the funny section, you know where they have all the uh, surplus kayaks and all that stuff? <laughs> Believe it or not, you can now buy chicks, girls, if you're worried about this, you can now buy an item of wearing apparel that has a little nozzle on it, and you blow it up like a football. Well, let's say two footballs. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I think it's a great idea. Can you imagine in the middle of a clinch, Gladys, Gladys and Charlie like that, and Charlie's paternity pin is sharp. And Gladys has a flat. Boom! It's like that. Just one side, you know. <laughs> Must have happened, though. What's the matter? And Charlie says, wait a minute. I got my vulcanizing kit in the back. Just a minute. <laughs> We're all in it together, let's face it, you know. Well, I go down, you know, and, I, and I'm plotting, see, and I've got this bank. Now, my Aunt Glenn had given me a bank. How many of you have been given banks that you couldn't open? That is the worst thing to happen to a kid, you know, it's terrible. It was a little pig. It was pink. It had blue ears. And, and whenever I could not escape it, like when there was a birthday and my Uncle Tom gave me 50 cents publicly, my mother would say, put it in the pig now. Oh, put it in the pig. That damn pig. I'd go and I'd put it in the pig, clank, and it was getting fatter and heavier, you see. Well, two years go by. Now I realize that the time has come. And my mother's always saying, well, you're saving that for college. 
Can you imagine me taking this to the bursar's office? <laughs> and I say, I say, well, 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 well Dean, I, I just don't want to break it. It's a sentimental thing. It was given to me by my Aunt Glenn, and I'm shaking it, you know, shaking it. Well, I figured this is now enough of an emergency. Bust the thing. But I figured, you see, in our house, practically all our furniture and every last one of our plates was glued together. You know what that glue that they have for fixing plates? I'll never forget the time in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner when the platter blew up. <laughs> it had been glued together for 28 years and all of a sudden just gave up, you know. <laughs> all the glue melted. <laughs> and so I figured that if I busted the head off, just the head, I could glue it because it had a little blue collar. I could fake it. So I go down in the basement, my old man's workbench, and I take his hammer, had a tack hammer, see, and I tap it. Well, you know, there are special kinds of porcelain. This thing exploded like a hand grenade. <laughs> like that. But oh, what a great pile of musty-looking quarters and nickels and dimes and half dollars and all. So I take this thing, I sweep it all aside. I hide my money in a ball jar, and I put it up above the workbench where the nails were. And I take two 50-cent pieces. I didn't know how much yeast cost. And I go down to Aschenschlager's. I stand there. And here's old Ashi, big fat, you know. Asher Schlager was the kind of guy who always had the white shirt. He had a straw hat on. And he had this bloody apron. Big bloody hands over the front. He was always cutting spare ribs. Going, blah, blah, blah. You know? Wow, you know, you could see these footprints, bloody footprints on him, you know. So old Ashi's back there and he's working the whole business. He's giving out the salami and stuff back and forth. I'm waiting. And he says, all right, 15 cents worth of summer sausage, sliced thin. He says, no. He says, what do you mean, no? I said, I want the two cakes of Fleischmann's yeast, please. He looks at me. <laughs> he knew what I was buying it for. He says, oh, Mr. Shepard's making bread now, huh? I said, yeah. Bread. I didn't know they used it in bread, you know. I didn't know what this stuff was. And I had no idea he went to the refrigerator and got it out. And he takes these two little cakes of yeast in silver. You know that little silver package with the little yellow thing around that says Fleischmann's? And he puts it in a bag. He says, all right, that'll be 25 cents, please. 25 cents. Gee, it's only a quarter. Two cakes of yeast for a quarter. Gee, was wow. It's going to get rid of my pimples. That's pretty cheap, see. So five minutes later, I am under our back porch. And I've got this bag. See? <laughs> I could see a new life stretching out ahead of me. I could see parrots saying, yeah, he did it. <laughs> and I could see girls. I could see Esther Jane clinging to me. I could see Dawn Strickland following me down the street. So I'm down there under the front porch with these two pieces of yeast and I open it up very carefully it's very peculiar looking have you ever seen yeast it sort of wiggles 
strange looking stuff. It sort of kind of vaguely looks like cake malted milk or something. It's got an odd look to it. So I take it like that. It, it looks like cheese, too, you know. I bite into it. It's a peculiar taste. It goes through you like a, like a little needle all up and down. <laughs> all up and down it goes. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm eating old library paste or something. <laughs> oh, it's a terrible taste. I eat this yeast. Ooh, it's awful. It's a terrible taste. Well, maybe I got a bad cake. So I open up the other one. And I ate the other cake of yeast. Have you ever eaten two cakes of yeast? <laughs> I never realized this stuff raises. You know what yeast does when it hits a moist, warm stomach? <laughs> a warm stomach that is filled with hamburgers and a thick, rich compost of Campbell's tomato soup? Well, by... I'd say roughly five o'clock that afternoon, I am the shape of a football <laughs> with feet. And not only are my pimples not gone, I got pimples where they never were before. <laughs> well, Aschenschlager and the yeast and the business of Tomics has formed all of us. And the big day came when my mother brought home a box of Ralston in the checkerboard box. How many of you know, where is Ralston made, gang? Checkerboard Square. Wouldn't you... Yeah, oh, St. Louis. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to visit Checkerboard Square? It's one of the great shrines of America. There's always some guy, nah. No imagination at all, a clutch. He's the kind that goes to the Lincoln Monuments, you know. <laughs> I'd like to visit real shrines, like I'd like to visit the birthplace of Manny Moe and Jack, the Pep Boys. <laughs> to me, that's a real American shrine, you know. I'd like to go visit the birthplace of Mr. Roebuck, of Sears Roebuck. These are real American. These are genuine names. Wouldn't you like to sit down and talk to Mr. Macy? <laughs> Can you imagine all these great names in America all together? Mr. Macy's over here, and at the head of the table, these are true famous names. The chairman is Howard Johnson. <laughs> so I want all of you guys to just call me Howie. <laughs> Somehow you never think there is a Howard Johnson. Well, one day my mother brought home this box of Ralston. Now. You know, it's funny how your mind will imagine things. You'll create the whole image of how something's going to taste. Have you ever tasted beer that tastes like the beer tastes on television commercials? <laughs> Never, of course not. You know, those people say, oh, wow, wow, woo, why? How about those cigarette commercials? You know, the guy says, say. Yes, this is cooler, much cooler. And the ball game all of a sudden is a great ball game. You know, just another old cigarette like all the rest. Well, that is the image that's created in the mind of all of us, that relationship of reality to the dream. And so Ralston, to me, somehow should have tasted like nuts, sort of nutty brown. 
You know that great singing taste of the outdoors. Tomics. What is it the Tomics is? Great Scott. <laughs> it could have tasted interesting, couldn't it, gang? <laughs> now that I think of Tony. <laughs> One thing leads to the next, you know. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, you know, at Tomics and Ralston. It's all there in that checkerboard box. And on the top of it is this beautiful box top. Americans, more than any other country in the world, believe in box tops. We are the premium nation. We are the nation that lives and dies by green stamps. You know, when my father died, he left only one thing. You'll never guess what I got as my inheritance from my father. 700 United Cigar Store Coupons. That's all he ever saved all his life. Also, 3,500 Sir Walter Raleigh coupons. He was saving up for a new bike when he died. Smoking like a nut, you know. <laughs> Figured one day he'd make it, you know. Well, this is the kind of life we live. See, and I'm a kid, so, so 10 minutes after we got this Ralston box in the house, I can hardly wait for breakfast time. It's supper time. My mother always did the shopping, you know, about 10 minutes before supper. Came home with a big bag. She says, surprise, look what I've got for you. Look at that. She puts it down. Checkerboard square. Ralston, Ma! She says, yep, we're going to have Ralston tomorrow. I said, Ralston tomorrow. I can hardly wait. And so the next morning, I wake up at 4 in the morning. You know, it's like Christmas. It's Ralston day. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock, six o'clock. I'm saying, hey, Ma, is it time to get up yet, Ma? I got to get to school early, Ma. We're doing a special thing, Ma. I got to get to school, Ma. And she wakes up and she's tired. And we get into the kitchen. She's fixing my breakfast. And I smell Ralston. Well, I figure it gets better later on. <laughs> See, I figure if you hold on, you know, it's not done yet. And so she fixes the Ralston. And she puts it down in front of me. She says, there it is. And just as she lays it down there, on comes the old Franklin. Ha, ah, fellas and gals, good morning. Yeah, we just came down from the old cookhouse. Doesn't that sound, isn't that an exciting word, cookhouse? We came down from the old cookhouse, now just full of that wonderful, bristling, sunshiny cereal that tastes like nut brown, wonderful oats. It's just great. Yes, kids, it's Ralston. And I'm sitting there listening to him. I take my first spoonful. And that was my first step towards my adult education. I was making my first feeble movement toward becoming a disillusioned liberal. I was making my first feeble step towards the, the knowledge that there ain't no Wizard of Oz. Ralston tasted like brown oats. Well, white oats were bad enough. And so now I finish my Ralston doggedly. You know, you don't admit you're chickened out. You know, I'm eating like... Uh, by the way, I'm also doing for the first time something that all adults learn to do. That's make the best of a bad deal and pretend it's a good deal. I'm curious how many guys, five minutes ago, Five minutes after they were fired in this room, they were called in. Mr. Bullard said, go. 
And he walked down to the, to the supply room, down to the shipping department, says, best thing could have happened to me. <laughs> best thing could have happened to me. He's been out of work for eight years now, you know. Well, that is an American trait. Also, how many guys in this crowd have bought a car? And the ad said, more economy, more miles to the gallon. Yes, finally, in the new hemispheric double hydromatic eight, you'll get real economy. The guy goes down and buys it. He's getting four and a half miles to the gallon now. <laughs> Downhill, with the wind behind him. And when he stands by the water cooler, he says, yeah, I get about 17. About 17. He's doing it, see, he's faking it up. And so I am loving Ralston. I'm going, hey, fire. Yes, good, ma. Yeah, wow. Yeah, good. That afternoon, I send in the box top. My first box top. It says, Checkerboard Square. Comics. Secret Horseshoe Lucky Ring. TM Bar Ranch. I'm going to be a member. First day goes by. It doesn't come. I mean, I've waited a whole day, you know, nothing happens. And already I'm beginning to think you're phony, you know. TM Bar Ranch, yeah. The third day, nothing. And the old Wrangler's saying, yeah, fellas and gals, all you kids belong to the TM Bar Rustlers crowd. Yes, sir, get out your secret ring there. Take a good look at it, and you can see that Tom's code is coming right through to you. So long, gang. Well, four weeks go by. Like a glacier. And there comes that little skinny letter. Nothing in it. Inside it says, sorry, we are out of secret horseshoe rings. You will receive your ring in due course. I never heard from him again. Tom X is a fink. You can't get me mad at Robert Moses. It's Tom X that's the fink in this country. And wherever you are, old Wrangler, assess on you. All right, let's all boo the old Wrangler, you phony. Do you realize that if I had gotten that ring, I would have turned out to be Jack Parr? As it is, here I am down here in the limelight on WOR every Saturday night with all the rest of the box top neighbors. We'll be back next week at the same time. Come on, let's hear it.